Welcome to the Path to Pro Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, John Russos, and for this episode, our guest is the current president of USL San Diego, Warren Smith. We touched on details of bringing a new team to a city, him working with Landon Donovan, and much more. He is a very intelligent person. It was a pleasure talking with him. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. President of USL San Diego, what exactly does your job description entail? <laughs> well, we're a startup, and you know this will be an expansion franchise, uh, very similar to Sacramento. So much of it is building, you know, the team, building the the endeavor, uh, making sure that we can articulate value proposition to the region, making sure that we can grow our fan base and literally just, uh, to lead the team. It also is, you know, uh, yeah, making sure that we have the right investment group and, uh, you know, completing all the documents that are necessary for that. But, you know, really it's about leadership and, and, and getting people, uh, great people, um, moving in a common direction. Awesome. No, and, and I think I, I did a little snooping on your LinkedIn, and you said something about uh, Sacramento, at least your time there. And I, I'd like your thoughts. So you said Sacramento continues to punch above its weight class, and arguably outperforming tier one franchises. We take great pride in being the heart of the revitalization of this awesome community. Together, those at SRFC, in partnership with the people of Sacramento, have created a special business that truly unites the Sacramento region and makes it an even better place to live, work, and play. Now, keeping that in mind, which I think is beautifully well put, how are you going to do this in San Diego? Well, listen, uh, you know, the thing about this sport that's so different that I love, and frankly, um, you probably don't know this, but the history, my history in soccer came by accident. I uh, was with the Sacramento uh, River Cats, and we were asked to assist the Pacific Coast League when they had to take back a franchise that was in bankruptcy and it was the Portland Beavers. So we got up there and oh wow, we could turn that operation around. We're pretty, you know, had a great uh, uh, partner in Art Savage who really understood the financials of, of, you know, sports being with the gun family and Cleveland Cavaliers and the uh, San Jose Sharks. But, um, we got up there and realized real quickly that, uh, you know, uh, the business and the baseball was easy to turn around, but it came with this little team called the Portland Timbers that we knew nothing about at the time. They were in the USL. Gavin yeah. Wilkinson was a player for us. And, and, uh, and, you know, we, uh, actually looked at the possibility of closing them because we didn't know anything about it. And, you know, but, uh, the city was very clear that, you know, that it was their building and they wanted to try to keep it open. So uh, we really, really just tried to understand, you know, and learn about the business. So the nice thing about that is it really caused a way to operate that I think is led to uh, Sacramento success. And hopefully some of the success we'll uh, see here in San Diego. And that was to just get in front of people and ask questions. What, you know, what do they want? What is it that you want? And it's an operating style. Um, that I think is kind of missed in the United States and all business nowadays, but especially in sports. And, and what we learned were just a lot of great, great things. I mean, the, the, the Portland Timbers army at the time was, you know, 400 strong. Yeah. Um, you know, we were averaging attendance of a thousand people. And, and what we learned there was a bunch of things. One, it was easier selling tickets every other week versus an eight game homestand. 
Okay. Uh, secondly, that there's just very similar sociographical and demographical uh, similarities to Portland and Sacramento. Ironically, also very similar to San Diego. Uh, we learned about this huge millennial movement. Everyone was talking about it at the time. Keep in mind, this was 2004. Mm-hmm. And everyone was talking about the millennials, and yet nobody was really understanding how uh, or what or why. And, you know, we just got to learn a lot about the game. And, you know, we had a, the whole community up there had grown. Um, it, like the, yes, the rest of the United States. So the demographic was such that, you know, they were already watching, um, you know, their international teams. This is before the EPL was on NBC. And, you know, uh, it was, it was, anyways, it was really, really interesting. So we, um, started to see a passion there and we just started to try to tap into that passion and understand, you know, what we could do to really get people excited about that. Obviously we had success. We turned it around to Merritt Paulson and sold it to him in 2007. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, we learned another thing and that was, we missed an opportunity. He said he wanted to get to major league soccer. We thought he was a bit crazy and he showed us how much we didn't know. But the key to answering your question is that, you know, very similarly to Sacramento and to Portland here in San Diego, we're really trying to understand what it is here. Um, first, why do people love San Diego? Take soccer aside. What is it emotionally that they love about the, this community? Uh, when you hear, when you ask that question, you kind of get the arms, you know, get raised and they kind of look to the the ocean and you exactly. see the sun yeah. and, uh, and, but in, in essence, they're saying, you know, what's not to love, right? Yeah. Which is great. But on one, on the other hand, it doesn't really give you a really good understanding of the emotions behind that. And I think every club and every sport really should tie into the emotions of the fans and really understand the community. So we're really trying to understand the community here, which is very, very diverse in Sacramento and similarly to Portland, you know, we're, kind of centered around a downtown and then, you know, you're, uh, so it was like a, a large center in, in San Diego. The geography is very different yeah. here. It, it's, you know, 45 minutes from Oceanside to Chula Vista without traffic. Yeah. And, you know, to another 45 to Alpine. So point being is that, you know, you've got um, a, ma- a, a number of different communities here that really call, san diego home when they travel and they tell people where they live they don't say i live in oceanside they say i live in san diego exactly so uh, what we're we're trying to do is really be a uniting force for the region really um tap into and really be the the organization that really celebrates the soul and swagger of of this community Uh, so i think you know with that really trying to understand what the customers are trying to accomplish keep in mind this is a, a community that um, is always in the top five from World Cup match viewings, uh, finished second in the Women's World Cup this mm. last year, uh, you know, third, I believe, in the Men's World Cup last year, uh, has huge participation levels. Um, you know, everyone really seems to play the sport here. Um, and so they, the game is very familiar to them. Having said that, though, they haven't really had the outdoor men's game really since 2001 when the uh, the outdoor San Diego soccer's, you know, uh, uh, folded. So, 
you know, you had this huge resurgence. Keep in mind, that was at a time when MLS was only five years old. This is also before the resurgence of the USL. And in, yet they play the game, watch the game, but they haven't had a team that they can call their own until recently, really, when Tijuana uh, um, Cholos moved in. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, many of the people here are, you know, driving across the border to actually you know, love their, love their, love their teams. And, you know, really this is about a unifying opportunity to actually bring those very um, divergent communities together and, and ultimately celebrate this great, great city. And you do that by, you know, developing a crest, a operating style, a way of communicating with fans and just having fun. So we're really excited about the opportunity. Definitely. No, I, I think that's very well put. Um, Considering this and, and the community being built, um, well, first off, congratulations. I saw a three-year deal inked with the University of San Diego to use the stadium. Um, and I, I believe I saw occupancy, at least capacity, 6,000 people. Um, I have faith that this team, a lot of faith, I mean, selling it out shouldn't really be a problem just considering your background, Sacramento Republic, leading the USL in attendance um, so many years in a row. I mean, selling tickets, though, for a USL team, bringing awareness to the community, how big of a challenge or hurdle do you see that becoming? Well, I think it's uh, it's an interesting challenge and hurdle. Um, but to be honest with you here, I mean, we got a market size of 3.5 million people. That's um, that is in a DMA. So mm -hmm. in Sacramento, it was, you know, 2.3 um the nice thing about the University of San Diego is it's sen somewhat central. Yeah. You know, just, just north of uh, the Mission Valley. Mm -hmm. And um, again, pe people play and people watch. Uh, so I happen to think, you know, from all of our research, we believe that the right stadium size is between twelve and 15,000 seats. We just don't have a, a twelve to 15,000 seat stadium here. So For a USL team. Yeah. Okay. For USL to get started, I mean, obviously, look at what happened at Cincinnati, right? You know, yeah. averaging the high twenties and at the USL level, and not, you know, not much more than that at the MLS level. So we are actually um, the university has agreed to allow us to expand. So we will add. Well, um, we don't know, but we think we can add up to two thousand seats. We're going through that process right now. And the second thing is that, you know, we're, I'm hiring, you know, a great group of talented people. Um, you know, the regions had, you know, very, very, uh, uh, great operators that have in sports, you have very flat organizations, very difficult to grow unless you want to move. And because of that, a lot of people moved to San Diego, um, or have worked with other professional sports teams here and, frankly uh, chose to to stay here and not to to uh to chase the dream of growing in sports and so we're actually very blessed i mean obviously landon donovan being one of the the biggest yeah. names in professional soccer in the united states um for him to actually have an opportunity in his new, new hometown he moved here four years ago um to really make a a difference and grow a brand and, and have fun and, and really control the soccer side. Um, and then, uh, most recently I hired a Pete Thurston, former, formerly, uh, you know, commercial officer, 
uh, for, I think he was actually VP of sponsorships and premium at uh, the Clippers and the Atlanta Hawks. Oh, okay. Was also with, uh, you know, uh, Fenway Sports. We, um, it's not public yet, but we have made it, uh, a, a gentleman who joined us from the NBA to run our VP of uh, tickets. So we're really build, building a, a, a world-class operating team as well Love to hear that. with a lot of experience. And, you know, the last thing is that, you know, that we're really engaging with the soccer community. It's one of the largest AO chapters, American outlaw chapters in the United States. I think it's the third largest. They have 1400 members and we're trying to build a, you know, a, a, a really, really fun, exciting supporters group and uh, that ultimately provides the experience and the fun around the beautiful game. So yeah. with that and the limited size and the facility, I think, uh, you know, if it's a cavernous place and you have a bunch of tickets, it's hard to sell tickets. You know, yeah. if it's uh, if people know it's difficult to get in, um, that's the best time to, to sell tickets. I, I really believe here that in this community, I really believe the people here really want this. And, and, you know, it's also one of the most underserved professional sports markets in the country it's obviously losing the chargers was a big hit to them. At, uh, but it's still, even with the chargers here, it was still one of the, uh, because of the population base and the amount of offerings, it was still one of the mid-level, uh, opportunity markets. Yeah. So we're, uh, we believe in ourselves. We believe in the community. We believe in the people and, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm pretty confident that we will have, you know, close to 8,000 seats there on average. That's awesome. You touched on this, um, working with Landon Donovan. I think that is a fantastic move, at least to have him representing the team. And I think I saw a VP, He's the vice president, but then also works with, he's going to work with at least uh, recruiting and um, player development, uh, playing strategy. What has that been like working with one of, I think, arguably the greatest soccer player in American history? You know, it's really interesting. I think, you know, there's, um, Landon's a very interesting person. First of all, he comes from a family of teachers. Oh, okay. And he is really excited about teaching. Um, and so ultimately he's responsible for all the, um, all the on-field success or failure, you know, the hiring of the staff and the running of the club and ultimately, you know, who we select as players. Um, and I think ideally he would also coach, at least I'd like to see that. That'd be awesome. Um, so he's working through licenses and, and, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, that's something that works for uh, for our league and the, and the federation. But at the end of the day, uh, one of the cool things about him is he's a learner. He's very interested. Um, he recognizes, one, he's got a lot to learn, too. Um, he has a process where he asks a lot of questions. And I love that because it really shows his interest, one, two, that he doesn't think he knows everything, and three, that uh, he's really has an appetite to learn so, mm -hmm. and Definitely. and that's infectious too right it causes yeah. us all to ask more questions and 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 frankly when the more questions we ask of ourselves the more questions we ask of our fans the more we learn and frankly um know what's important to people and that's ultimately what we're why people are in business you know what's important to people 
Why do they want to buy your products? Why do they want to come to your matches? That type of stuff. So I couldn't be more excited to have him, uh, to be honest with you. And I think, uh, I think he's going to do fantastically well. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's great to hear. Um, right now, I mean, the, the paint of this USL team hasn't necessarily met the, the canvas in terms of actually playing a game. And it might be way too early to ask this question, but we live in a world of hypotheticals. Do you see a future within the next 10, 20 years where San Diego is a part of the MLS? I will tell you that's not really our focus. Love it. Okay. Our focus is really to put the best damn club and be the best damn club in the USL. Okay. Let's control what we can control. Uh, let the other things, let the other chips fall where they may. Okay. Um, you know, listen, I, obviously the major league soccer has looked at this market for a long time. They, uh, they obviously like the market and they, you know, we wouldn't be here if they, if their opportunity didn't, didn't pan out last fall. Uh, having said that, um, you know, uh, I also went through a challenging time, you know, to MLS's credit, you know, they're in a different place and space than they were even five years ago, or even when Portland came into the league, you know, you've got some great cities and you can't be everywhere. So it's kind of difficult to, to, uh, uh, to try to be everywhere. Who knows where they go? Um, do they get to 40 teams, 32 teams? Nobody seems to really understand or know. Um, again, we're going to control what we can control. And I think our, our desire is really to be the best damn USL club in the, in the USL. I like the mentality. Yeah. Uh, will this new team, uh, USL San Diego, is there going to be a youth Academy set up? No. Um, one of the nice things that, you know, in Sacramento, we actually formed an Academy, but it was only because our only DA was uh, having some major challenges and, and potentially going away. And okay. we didn't want the black eye for Sacramento. So we agreed to take that on after a long dialogue with the soccer community, um, you know, with the, the club teams and the recs and, and uh, you know, which they weren't too happy about in the very beginning, but everyone, you know, actually conformed and said, okay, let's go for it. And, and then, you know, Sacramento's had great success from an academy standpoint and all those clubs actually ended up in, a, in an even better, you know, financial place because, the players they got to move up were celebrated within their clubs. And, and I think we all worked together to grow the beautiful game. So more people wanted to play mm -hmm. here in San Diego, you've got four DAs that do a great job and why really um, try to get in their space? Why don't we do something different? Why don't we work with them? So obviously you may be familiar that the USL just rolled out a new Academy program. It's two, two phases. One's, pretty much like an all-star uh, opportunity where you can uh, invite, you know, some of the players from the different clubs to uh, play for you and, and go to tournaments, but they stay on their club, right? So maybe four or five times a year, we actually take a team and go to a tournament. And, um, but we practice them with the first team. So in essence, we're helping to even grow, um, you know, those good, great players into even better players. Then um, the other aspect is uh, the other phase is to, to, to eventually maybe have a team. It's something we have uh, definitely uh, decided 
not to do in the very beginning because we want to work with the clubs here and um, really be Switzerland. We don't want to um, have a perceived relationship that's greater with any one club than the other. Um, you know, in essence, we, you know, that is uh, a little bit different where everyone's still trying to understand what the USL is ultimately trying to accomplish there, but it's a one team program, meaning you don't have different age groups. It's, it's a, it's a, um, you could have, you know, kids that are 19 years old. You could have kids that are 14 years, years old, but they play and practice with the first team. So, um, until we get together with the entire soccer community, until they actually learn to trust us, uh, you won't see us really playing in that space, but maybe in the all-star type of a format in the first couple of years. Uh, but, um, you know, there's a lot of changing, as you know, in the academy space. Yeah. And, you know, we don't need to be, we don't need to be at the forefront of that. And, you know, the academies are very expensive and, and haven't yet produced the uh, return on that investment. So I think for us, we are solely focused on uh, a great first team and, you know, working with all the clubs here to actually, uh, you know, have fun together. Definitely. Okay. Um, my last question for you, Warren, uh, team name-wise, do you have any hints there? What's the selection process going to be like? Yeah, I'm very curious. Well, we've been going through a process. Uh, we've had a number of focus groups and then a number of listening sessions okay, interesting. with various communities. And you probably, I don't know if you track us on Twitter or any of the social media, but we've had uh, uh, surveys that have, um, we're in a, uh, I think the second survey gets out either today or went out yesterday. And that is a, uh, you know, just asking questions of people and, you know, we had over, I mean, roughly a thousand respondents, actually 750 on our first one. Love it. And what we're trying to do there is understand, you know, through some basic questions, what's important to people. Also, uh, going through kind of what, you know, what we call the mood board and asking people to give us their pictures, give us their, you know, they're the things that are important, maybe have some history there, you know, and so a lot of names have emerged. I mean, there's, there's, you know, um, Atletico San Diego, um, things like that, or, um, you know, the missions here are very popular. In fact, you probably had to go to a mission. Exactly. Fourth grade. Yep. So, um, but we are literally, uh, I would say more in the listening phase and really trying to determine, you know, a name that really represents and brings people together here. So I, 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 I'd be lying to you if I told you that we have something or are even entertaining something right now, because, you know, uh, what we're trying to do is really understand and then get a group of them in and start asking people what they think about them and then ultimately lead us to, you know, what's, it's a brand that we can choose. Yeah. In, in Sacramento, if I, if I may, I mean, that was one of the coolest things for us and we had a lot more time to do it, but it was really an opportunity to learn, you know, what, why people love Sacramento. In fact, they had, you know, when people answered in Sacramento, they couldn't tell you why they didn't, couldn't even throw up their arms. 
like they do here, but they, they kept saying how much they love uh, uh, Sacramento. And as we dug deeper and asked, you know, how do we portray that love? How do we actually point to that? They kept pointing us to the state capitol. I'm, you know, I don't get into politics much, and I'm, but I'm not a fan of the, the legislature in, in California. So why do we want to celebrate the capitol if we're just celebrating a bunch of people that really nobody likes? And, you know, it was clearly when we asked people what they thought about the legislature that nobody really was excited about that. So. But what we learned, a lady stood up in that same focus group and said, you know, Warren, it's not the fact that uh, the it's the legislature that's here. It's the spirit of California is headquartered here. So all of a sudden, then we had something, right? So, and then we asked people, how do we portray that? And everyone kept pointing us to the state flag. So the beveled star, so, uh, uh, the red glory star is, um, is representative of the state capital on a map. And then everything else, the fonts, the colors, you know, um, everything but the words herbs and domino would, you know, came from the state flag. Uh, but during that process, you know, a, a student brought us in every, as you know, in, uh, in soccer clubs, you'd like to have a rallying cry. You know, we never, we are always together. We never stand alone, those type of things. But this gentleman brought us this, I mean, a freshman in, one of the junior colleges there is history major and said, you know, do you realize that Sacramento after two successive floods year um, in the 1840s, a fire that wiped out the town and cholera that killed, uh, you know, half the population base that um, they put the words herbs and domino onto the, the, uh, the city, the city seal. And the, the words herbs indomitable just mean the indomitable city. And, you know, this is a, a city that actually moved rivers. And so anyways, it gave us, you know, this process gave us our rallying cry and gave us literally the, uh, the brand to build the club around. So we're trying to do the same thing here and we're trying to do it in an authentic, organic way. Um, and really just through a lot of conversations, social listening um, and some focus groups. And so I'd say in the next uh, month, we will land on something and hopefully announce it in the October timetable. Awesome. Awesome. We're looking forward to it. Uh, Warren, this was a enlightening conversation. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and, and sharing your knowledge, sharing your information. Um, I very much appreciate it. And I'm, I'm sure the listeners did as well. Um, Thank you so much. Any uh, last words? I want to give you some time to plug the team or plug any events coming up, whatever, whatever you want. The platform is yours. Well, if they have any listeners that are in San Diego, we want to hear from you. You know, um, our Twitter page at uh, USL San Diego, I think it is. Um, and then obviously on the other channels, Instagram and, and, uh, and Facebook and uh, Snapchat. I think uh, well, maybe we're not on Snapchat yet, but Point being is that uh, we have, and of course, our website, uslsandiego.com, we are listening. Don't be shy. This is your club. It's not ours. At the end of the day, um, you know, we uh, stewards or operators um, come and go, but the club will be here. I can guarantee you this. We'll have a name that truly represents San Diego. And it'll be such this community. One of the major things that we've been hearing here is, 
whatever you do, never leave us. Mm -hmm. Whatever you do, never yeah. leave us. Whatever you do, never leave us. So part of this name is going to be, you know, this uh, club is really going to be a club that's built around San Diego and could never be picked up and, and taken elsewhere. I love it. I love that. And I think that, that that holds true, especially after the Chargers leaving. So that's great to hear that. Warren, thank you so much for your time. I, I very much appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Continued success to you. A big thank you to Warren for taking the time to talk with me. And San Diego, rejoice. You have professional soccer coming to your city. Thank you all for tuning into this episode of the Path to Pro Soccer podcast. And for more Path to Pro, you can follow at Path to Pro Soccer on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm your host, John Russos, and you can also listen to me on the Here's My Thing podcast. I appreciate you tuning in. Until next time.